When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. Welcome to the Project Upland Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting. We plan to take you into some of our favorite bird covers as we talk to the people that hunt them and the organizations that support them. We'll also break down the dogs, guns, and gear used to pursue them, and of course, we'll share the stories that celebrate this American tradition. It's one of those things that you do that, that feels timeless. My dad brought home our first Brittany when I was about 10 years old. The Red Gods are calling, and I must go. These are your stories. This is the Project Dublin Podcast, presented by Onyx Hunt. On this episode of the show, we're talking shotguns with the folks from Beretta. Welcome back to the show for episode number 118. podcast is presented by onyx hunt creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters use the promo code pup20 to save 20 percent on your onyx hunt subscription today know where you stand with onyx and by yukonuba premium performance dog food strong focused ready for anything that is a yukonuba dog and by cz usa shotguns shotguns designed with the upland hunter in mind from the bob white and sharp tail side-by-sides 
to the Upland Ultralight and Wingshooter Elite over and unders. They've got pumps, semi-autos. CZ USA has a shotgun for you. Head over to cz-usa.com to learn more. And by Gumleaf USA, high-quality, handcrafted, premium rubber boots. Head over to gumleafusa.com and use the promo code PUP10 to save 10% on your next pair of boots from Gumleaf USA. And by Dr. Collars. For over 30 years, Doctor has collaborated with industry professionals to create class-leading tools for e-collar training, GPS tracking, and more to support bird dog owners in developing top-notch dogs. Head over to Dogtra.com to learn more about all their products. And by ESP Electronic Shooters Protection, custom-molded hearing protection for shooting and hunting. Learn more about them at ESPAmerica.com. And by Trinity Kennels, home of the Epignol Breton, French Brittany's, from Champion Bloodlines, field-tested, and family-approved for over 30 years. If you want to learn more about Trinity Kennels, check out Project Upland Podcast, episode number 88. That's trinitykennels.org. And finally, by Dakota 283 Kennels, unparalleled protection, one-piece rotomold design, frame steel door, everything you and your dog need in a kennel for a safe and successful hunting trip. Head over to dakota283.com to check out their kennels and all of their products. All right, this week's winner of the podcast giveaway is Kevin M. Kevin sent us an email, sent us some feedback on the show, and gave me some insight on a couple of questions I had. Kevin, thank you, buddy. Project Upland t-shirt headed your way very soon. Anybody listening could be next week's winner of the podcast giveaway. All you have to do is make a meaningful contribution to the show. You could do that by leaving the podcast a rating or a review in your podcast app. We appreciate those. Subscribe to the podcast share the podcast or send us some feedback or a guest suggestion you can email me at nick.larson at northwoodscollective.com all right it's the first episode in october everybody and we're going to jump right in we're talking shotguns today with the folks from beretta ian harrison of the beretta gallery in new york and Corey mays of the beretta gallery in texas we talk a little bit about the history of Beretta, where they came from, where they are today. We dive into shotguns for upland hunting, the Beretta lifestyle, and a whole bunch more. Really enjoyed talking to these two gentlemen from Beretta, and I encourage you to reach out to them at the Beretta Galleries if you have questions about their guns, products, anything at all. Beretta has been serving upland bird hunters and a whole lot more people for a very, very long time. With that said, let's welcome into the conversation and onto the Project Upland podcast from Beretta, Ian Harrison and Corey Mays. And we're rolling. Ian, Corey, welcome to the Project Upland podcast. Thank you guys for joining me. Ian, let's start with you, man. Introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do for Beretta. Yeah, Nick. So I'm... uh... My name is Ian Harrison. Obviously, not an American. You can tell that quite clearly. You don't Perhaps. have. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I uh, look after the premium guns in the U.S. for uh, for the Beretta family. I also uh, manage the um, Beretta Trident program, which I can talk about a little bit later on. But yeah. uh, largely, I do whatever uh, the Beretta family tell me to do. And my main goal here is to sell guns and uh, through the galleries. <laughs> and you're in you're in New York, right, Ian? Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm based in the Manhattan Gallery. We have a townhouse on Madison Avenue that um, that we've had for wow, I guess it's twenty plus years now. And we have three floors of retail, two floors of offices above, and it's essentially our headquarters in the U.S. Uh, for um, for the galleries. Not to get too far off track right away, but New York being New York, how are you holding up out there, Ian? 
Yeah, thanks for asking. We're all right. You know, I mean, uh, it's kind of a weird city. We don't live in this city to be uh, in a deserted place. You know, we're right. used to lots of people around. It's really quiet. Uh, we had a lot of problems with the riots and uh, and the unrest, which was was pretty scary for for New Yorkers. But um, yeah, we're okay. We're hanging in there. Things are starting to move a little bit, um, you know. But it's been it's been a rough ride, you know. We definitely will we'll be happy when this thing's behind us for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And also joining us today from a little bit further south, Corey Mays. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing well, Nick. Thanks for having me. I um, go ahead. I was just going to say, tell us where you're at and how you fit into the Beretta picture. Yeah, no, um, like I said, my name's Corey Mays. I uh, manage our store down here in Texas. Not only am I American, I am a Texan, uh, <laughs> born and raised, so a little bit of pride there. But I manage our Dallas location here, and um, you know, even through the pandemic and everything, we've, we've done all right and felt a blow all the way around. You know, I think as as many people have, but yeah, we're plugging away here in Texas. All right, uh, today's the opening day of dove season, so and of course it's raining. <laughs> that was that was going to be my next question. September first, it's kind of a it's a day that sticks out in many bird hunters' minds, and I assume that that'd probably be dove opener down there in Texas. It's so it's what it's 110 degrees and raining. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, about I think 94 when I woke up this morning. So. Man, before, well, actually, while you were getting your gear squared away, Ian and I were chatting and I was telling him that it's actually for, it's not always a guarantee, but it actually feels like fall today up here in the North country in Duluth, Minnesota. So that is a, that is a good thing. I don't know what I would do if I woke up and it was 94 degrees. Well, we're all excited. There's a, uh, you know, a Texas cold front blowing through and I think on okay. the fourth, the high is supposed to be 80. So we're pretty stoked for that. There you go. Yeah. That'll be <laughs> cool mornings and evenings. At That'll that be point. chilly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you really don't need to worry too much about the weather for, for Texas dove hunting or dove opening, should I say, because you don't really hunt. You just sit there and drink, don't you, Corey? Oh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> the drinking happens after the hunt, Ian. Always. I, I don't believe I don't believe triggers are pulled on opening day. I think you just sit there and just uh, just sit in the field you know, and talk about it. Yeah. Complain. Well, hey, if, yeah, if it's a ceremonial thing, we can get behind that. Right, exactly. <laughs> I I haven't uh, you know I spent a little bit of time on the phone with each of you guys, but I'm I'm getting the sense that you have a you have a pretty good back and forth on a daily basis. Yeah, you yeah, can say yeah, that. You know the, the the interesting thing is is you know when I I used to actually run that store down in Dallas uh, and it was probably but it's been six or seven years since I've been gone from Texas and then I guess it was uh, maybe ten plus years ago that uh, maybe longer yeah maybe twelve years ago I started running that shop down there and Corey's going to tell me the exact year because I can't remember but I hired Corey. When he was still in bloody school, right? yeah, 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 nine nine years ago, yeah, and uh, you know Corey's obviously now the main man down there, and he's our he's our head guy at the shop down there, and he's, he runs the show for us. But uh, you know, he started as a uh, part time gunsmith type character. Yeah, right? it was kind of a fun kind of a fun story. Ian met me. My father is our master gunsmith here at the store in Dallas. Uh, so he's been working here for a number of years. Um, and Ian came on board and wound up meeting me. I was working for dad at the time doing gunsmithing and trying to learn everything I can and trying yeah. to find a place in this world. 
you know, and fell in love with it. And uh, Ian gave me a shot working sales, which I'd never done, uh, doing that part time. And over the years, I've I've managed to work my way up the ladder that way. Uh, so I've I I always believed it. I came from a service industry background, and I always really appreciated those guys that had been the busboy and the bartender and the wait staff and worked up through all of that. Yeah. So yeah. I've kind of yeah. done that well, in this world. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I appreciate it for myself just because it gives me kind of a different perspective on a lot of different things. Yeah. Sure. You know, dovetailing into that, it's interesting. And not to go down a rabbit hole with you or anything <laughs> or to, to hijack your interview here. But no, we're good. I, I, I do think it's kind of fascinating that when we opened this shop in New York, uh, it was opened by a couple of colleagues of ours, you know, 20 plus years ago. And at the time, Franco Barreto, who now runs uh, many, many divisions of our company, is obviously one of the owners, um, was actually working in the shop here. He was a, you know, he would be down selling product. Uh, he was living above the store. In fact, I think his apartment was the room that I'm sitting in now. In fact, that was probably his fireplace sitting behind me. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, and, and he is a firm believer that, you know, as we both are, is that, you know, you, you can't manage from, you know, from a, from a room somewhere. You have to manage and understand your customers, you know, from the shop floor, from, you know, meeting people every day, understanding what it is they want, what they need, you know, things that work, things that don't work. And, and, you know, just uh, having a good rapport and a good camaraderie with, um, you know, with the customers uh, goes a long way to help, you know, build loyalty and obviously uh, sales, you know? Yeah. Well, we definitely, there are so many different directions we could go with this conversation. And <laughs> I, what I don't want to do is take for granted that probably everybody listening to this podcast has heard the name Beretta. And that is for a very specific reason. The company has been around for, what are we at, 500 years, Ian? Almost, yeah. Yeah, so 500 years. I, there's, you know, there's only so many companies that have that kind of a history, and that could literally, you know, the world has changed around Beretta, and Beretta has been a constant through the changing world and needs and demands of shotgun consumers. And obviously, Beretta is much bigger than shotguns. But mm. let's let's just talk a little bit about the history, and we we can only cover so much of it. But do we have a can can we can it kind of bring us from the start to where Beretta is today in a, in a succinct way <laughs> yeah i'll give you like the reader's digest version and then perhaps, yeah. perhaps Corey can pipe in and and give a little bit of a commentary on you know his experiences visiting uh hq in italy which is where you know which is where we are and we always have been but yeah 500 years ago uh the italians had a problem it wasn't a problem that uh they couldn't find weapons they couldn't find um, you know, things to shoot other people with or to blow up other other ships with, etc. It was a problem that was directly related to their barrels blowing up. And the, the Berettas, or uh, Pietro Beretta, the very first Beretta, had, had really figured out how to build, how to build these barrels that wouldn't blow up. So the Venetian army had heard about this and traveled all the way up to uh, to Gardone, which is in northern Italy by the Dolomite Mountains. He traveled from Venice all the way up there, which if you imagine 500 years ago, traveling that distance wasn't, you know, you didn't get in your Ferrari uh, yeah. and drive up there. You know, you were on a donkey for about, you know, a month to get up there. So 
he went up there, figured it out, signed a deal, as you do, and um, bought, uh, bought these barrels. And that, I guess, was the genesis of Beretta. Um, so, and we've always been known as a company from day one up until today as a company that, uh, that has products that are super reliable. Um, and that really is the sort of, that's the guts behind our firm. There's a lot of other things that we do and that we do great right. and that are wonderful, but it's the reliability, uh, you know, and being on the forefront at the time. Imagine this, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere, you know, chopping trees down, you know, mining ore to build these barrels to, you know, to help, you know, the Venetian army. I mean, you know, the thought of that is just, it's, it's really mind boggling. You know, you just got to kind of think about the world and what the world was like back then to, to really understand it, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, so obviously 500 years is a long time, you know, that was the genesis and we've been through a lot. We've armed just about every standing army in the world, you know, uh, over pretty much every conflict for the past 500 years. So, you know, that's a lot of guns. So a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of armaments, um, you know, so, uh, so we do have that massive, massive history. We are still to this day building barrels, uh, action bodies, you know, components, uh, doing research, all of this stuff in the original factory that we first made those barrels in wow. back in, uh, back 500 years ago. So it's very cool. And Corey can tell you, you know, visiting the place, you know, yeah. perhaps you can pipe in and just, yeah. just, just kind of give your like <laughs> what, what it was like to visit there because it is, it is pretty awesome. Yeah, you know? yeah. So coming from, you know, the gunsmithing background and growing up underneath the gun bench, uh, this was like my Chuck E. Cheese. You know, it was a place to go hang out and get in every nook and cranny and look at everything I could. And I think one of the coolest things um, is Mr. Beretta's Museum. And you don't get to just go in there all the time, uh, but we got the opportunity to go in. And whenever you walk in, all along the left-hand side of the, the room are firearms that were manufactured by Beretta, or they were manufactured by people in the towns and villages around Gardon, and they submitted them as you know prototypes and suggestions to the Beretta family to, to build their guns. Um, and then you look on the right-hand side of the wall, and Mr. Beretta allowed any company to put a military-type weapon in his museum so long as it showed a vast jump in the technology. Mm. So you can go and you can literally start at the end of the, the room and walk from, you know, flintlock, cap and ball muskets all the way up to modern-day ARs, you know, the ARX-200s that the military uses, you know, all these really advanced weapons and everything in between. So that that is one of the coolest experiences I've had, kind of to Ian's point as well about it all being in the original factory. The first time I went, none of it made sense. You had heat treat on one side of the factory, you had barrel making on another, and the reasoning was as land came available and Beretta got bigger and bigger, they just bought the land, built yeah. built the you know manufacturing and went. And so I was actually there as they were starting to move all of those processes around and all of those departments around. So it'd be one streamlined uh, process from the beginning all the way to the end. So it, it was interesting to see how it was set up. And then the second time I went back, see how they had changed it. Uh, that was pretty cool. 
What is the place? What is it like where the headquarters is? Is it a, is it a big city? Is it a small city? What is it? What is the place like? It's small. It's very okay. quaint. It's, um, you know, it's a very industrial city. Um, but the whole time you're there, I mean, it, it is like kind of your quintessential Italian town. It, it's what I picture in my head when I think of Italy versus um, like you fly into Milan. Uh, yeah. Milan is, is beautiful in its own right, but it's not, you know, the countryside I had in my head. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the most fascinating thing for me is that, you know, you drive up there and people go on vacation up there. Lake Cuomo, Lake Garda. These are, you know, George Clooney, you know, locations for, you know, supermodels and stuff, you know. But, yeah. you know, there's this very small lake between these two monsters and uh, we are right in the middle and we are in one of the most beautiful valleys, you know, in northern Italy. You have the Dolomite Mountains in the background overlook. You know, the, the valley is such a V-shape. You know, there's only a certain amount of daylight a day, uh, you know, because, you know, you're, you're kind of nestled at the bottom of this severe V-shaped sure. valley. Um, you know, but, and it's so gorgeous, even, you know, in the winter, in the I mean, all year long, it's so beautiful. But, you know, nobody really goes up there because it is an industrial valley. You know, nothing, you know, it's like going to, you know, Western Pennsylvania, you know, no, no disrespect to the mountains of Pennsylvania, but, sure. you know, it's a, it's an industrial part of the country. It's not somewhere where you go on vacation. You go there, you know, if you want to build some, you know, some steel products, you know, and that's what we do uh, in the Valley. And the Valley has, a, you know, a number of different firearm manufacturers, not just us. Um, you know, it's the historic part of, of Italy where, you know, where it all started. And um, part of that is because of the, the iron ore in the, in the mountains. And obviously at that time, there was a lot, you know, back in, in the you know, 1600s and, you know, early, early part of, of uh, you know, of the, the genesis of this gunsmithing and gun, gun building, uh, yeah. the mountains were covered in trees and wood was needed. Now the mountains are bare. <laughs> we've, we've long since taken a lot of those. stocks have been made. <laughs> we've long since taken those uh, those trees out. But you know, it's a uh, you know, it's an interesting. It's really interesting to see, and it's it's it, uh, to, as Corey said, you know, it's a fascinating trip if you're a gun guy um, or not. You know, I mean, just yeah. if you're just a fan of right. of manufacturing. You know, um, it's interesting. Well, and the Spavieri vineyards aren't very far from there either. So. That's right. Yeah, that's, a, <laughs> that's another kind of like a, a piece of the puzzle that we have. We're now in the wine industry. So we have uh, French Accorda wine, which is a very, uh, a very beautiful, exotic, uh, uh, fizzy wine like Champagne or Prosecco. Uh, some of the, you know, some of the more delicate, bubbly wine that you get uh, is literally across the valley. Yeah, it's yeah. another another piece of the puzzle, you know. <laughs> I was I was curious about sort of the gun making culture, and I had some suspicions that it may have been you know kind of centralized in that because I've I've done some reading more so on the Spanish gun trade, but I've I've read about that, and I know just that the history of European gun making, you had a lot of clusters of of these companies that were they're building these firearms, and it's it's quite interesting. I I have been to Italy. It's, it'd be about seven years ago. My anniversary is coming up here. I was over there on my honeymoon and I spent some time in Florence and I was in Ponzano. We went up into the wine country a little bit. How close was yeah. I? Was I a different part of the country there? 
Yeah, it's a totally different part of the yeah. country. Okay. Well, I got to get back out there, and my wife loves Italy. She's been there a couple times, so maybe, uh, maybe I can yeah. hop into the Beretta factory. No, yeah. we could. We we might be able to sort you out a little private <laughs> tour. <you know? laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Well. I mean, I, I certainly harbor no illusions that firearms have played a significant role in, in the history of the world. And I think that's absolutely one of the reasons why what makes guns the way that they are, just the history and the close, the closeness that we, many of us have to firearms again, throughout the history of the world. But to have that constant, as we talked about for that long of a time, watching the world change around it is firearms is, that's you mentioned many divisions in firearms is that's the core of Beretta. Has it always been that way? Yeah, it always has, always will be. Um, you know, there are you know we have focused on different aspects of the firearm world over the course of five hundred years. Um, you know, we have always been a an armor of uh, of armies of uh, fighting forces across the world. Truly. It was, wasn't really until the sort of U.S. market really exploded, if you like, or became a, a, fo- a force that, um, that our sporting guns, which includes uh, shotguns, became yep. so big. You know, it's clearly the biggest market in the world. Um, so, you know, the U.S. is really responsible for us, uh, you know, having such a huge business in the sporting world. Yeah. And there's a bit of a story behind how the galleries developed in the U.S. and kind of why you, Beretta started doing business where they did. You want to talk about that, Ian? Yeah. So uh, originally, the gallery concept was Ugo Beretta's idea. And he, uh, so Ugo is the patriarch of the family. His sons, Franco and Pietro, both run the firm now. And he's, uh, he's above them and kind of sits. Uh, sits back a little bit and offers his guidance and and um, you know uh, knowledge in things that we're going to do going forward. But uh, at the time, Ugo was uh, was very instrumental in the deal that we made with the U.S. Army to bring the M9 or the 92 FS series gun uh, to the U.S. military. We had to build a factory here in order for the guns to be in order for the contract to be to be uh, awarded. So that kind of cemented us in the U.S., if you like. And it was at that time Ugo was looking to create a, um, you know, a, a world to showcase our Beretta products uh, in the U.S. Um, and he noted and he was very vocal about the fact that he would go to, you know, Bob's gun shop in Bobville and... He would see a, uh, trying not to be disrespectful to any person <laughs> yeah. or town, you know, except for Bob. Just um, Bob. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he looked at these guns, these beautiful Beretta shotguns um, and rifles, and they were sitting on a shelf with a bunch of other guns. And there was no, there was nothing remarkable about the merchandising. There was nothing remarkable about the environment they were being sold in. There was really nothing remarkable about the way they were being sold and the customer service that was being given. And uh, Ugo had a different idea. I mean, we were creating these beautiful guns that we consider uh, works of art, despite the, you know, the price. It doesn't matter. They're still works of art in our minds. And, you know, we wanted to showcase uh, the Beretta lifestyle. 
that, at that time, the Beretta lifestyle was very much rooted in European shooting history, European hunting history, you know, an Italian culture. And, you know, we wanted to bring a, bring a piece of that to the U.S. And, and um, as we were developing products in the U.S., clothing and accessories and uh, the kind of products that Americans would like, we wanted to showcase them in somewhere that looked like the valley where we are located. You know, yeah. that was really the, the sort of the idea behind starting the stores. You know, we started uh, New York, um, you know, first. Uh, it's a big townhouse on Madison Avenue. It's in a, you know, primo location. It's in the money block of the street next to Hermes and, you know, uh, Chanel and all of the famous boutiques. Um you know, so we wanted, and, and we wanted, you know, we wanted to be in these sort of premier locations. You know, Corey, why don't you explain yeah. a little bit about where we are in Dallas and how the Dallas store looks and feels? You know, perhaps yeah. from a, you know. So, have, if you visit both, it's it's a totally different feel in Dallas. We're all on one level. It's a you know one level store, but where we're located, we're in Highland Park Village, which is one of the most affluent zip codes in the U.S., uh, very much so in Texas as well. You know, Jerry Jones lives in our neighborhood. Uh, President W. Bush lives in our neighborhood. Uh, Laura shops across the street at Aca- uh, Academy. Goodness. Escada, uh, quite often. <laughs> so, yeah, Laura goes down to uh, Academy and gets her, you know. Where she gets her night milk. Yeah, she gets her corn for, uh, you know, for right. the tree stand, you know. So, but we're located in you know this very nice outdoor. It's a historical shopping center. It was the first open air shopping mall in the U.S. So it's a, it's a beautiful center, um, and we're also located about five minutes from Love Field Airport. So we get a ton of business travelers, guys coming in and out. It's a great place to stop off and kind of hang out while you're waiting for a flight. You know, but it's a totally different feel. But you know, a little more laid back, and uh, you know, we're always sending guns out the door pretty often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the big difference between the two stores, which is interesting, um, is, well, there's, there's a few differences, but um, one quite obvious difference is that because we're in Manhattan, yeah. it's a little little trickier to sell guns in our store in Manhattan. It's not sure. hard. Yeah. It's just a little awkward, um, specifically handguns. So. Yes. Um, you know, selling pistols in Manhattan is, is easy if you have the right permits. Um, but it's very hard to retail them. Uh, so for instance, in our gun room here, unlike Dallas, where you roll in there with your concealed carry, drop it down, give Corey 500 bucks and you walk out with your gun. Um, in New York, if you're in the room with one of our associates, one of the staff here, and you want to see a pistol, we have to make sure nobody else in the room uh, or everybody in the room has a pistol permit. So if you happen to be in the room and don't have a pistol permit, you have to leave the room. Wow. So it makes for a really tricky, awkward uh, environment to sell, uh, to sell pistols. So we just don't bother. We will obviously bring in special orders for anybody, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the other interesting thing directly related to that is the volume of guns uh, in Texas is is a little larger than uh, New York. Um, you know, now we do sell a lot of expensive guns here in the city, and we we're, we're still you know 
We still sell about the same amount of guns in New York, uh, dollar-wise, as, as Dallas. But Dallas sells a lot more, uh, you know, pistols, a lot, a lot volume, more, yeah. Yeah, a lot of volume. So that's, you know, kind of interesting, you know. But at their heart, they still feel the same when you go in. Yes. You know? Yeah, it's it's unlike both of these stores are unlike any other gun shop I've ever been in. In fact, the, the very first time I made a trip up here to the gallery um, to visit it, just to come see the new place that dad worked, uh, I walked in the front door and looked around. We sell very nice uh, Italian sport coats and shirts yeah. and, and, you know, breeks and all of that stuff for your, your driven hunts in Europe. So I walked in the front door and looked around and turned around, went back to my car and called him. So what's, what's the address again? I, there was no way I was in the right place. Um, but it, they're beautiful stores. They're just elegant. Uh, there, there's a, a smell when you walk in. It's rich leather and gun oil. And, you know, we've, we've been asked many times if only we could make a candle. Uh, buy it like crazy. <laughs> yeah. I got a buddy that would buy a bunch of those candles. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, we have like taxidermy and skins and, sure. you know, it's definitely, you know, a masculine store, but, um, you know, it's just not as, um, it's not as kind of, uh, redneck as a lot of, a lot of our store, a lot of our gun dealers are. Um, <laughs> no disrespect to rednecks because I'm, I'm a classic example of a, an English redneck. <laughs> What what defines an English redneck, Ian? You're looking at it. <laughs> You're looking at it. <laughs> the definition of yeah. Listen, if we had a few beers right now, you'd hear a whole different side of me. <laughs> I love that, man. Well, I'm I mean this this upland hunting thing and these circles enough to know that a lot of times people will talk about sort of the finer aspects of shotguns and that sort of thing and kind of talk about it in a condescending way and I I I see that plenty, but what it, why it interests me is again hearkening back to the history of these things these things are they're anchored in 500 years of history and they're, they're not they're, they're things that don't just evaporate and go away so trying to understand the context for the Beretta lifestyle if you will and where these things come from I appreciate the initiative that Beretta takes to say hey our guns are being displayed in a way that that's that's not where that's not where the inspiration that's not where the artwork came from so let's try to show people that if they want to see it now for everybody else you can go buy a Beretta gun just about anywhere i mean you guys have you, you distribute all over the place that's one of the i think glorious things about beretta is we are the only firearms manufacturer that makes everything from a three four hundred dollar handgun up to yeah. a two hundred thousand dollar hand engraved you know work of art so10 right. um, there just aren't companies that cover that entire gambit yeah, yeah, the spectrum is is huge, and maybe that would be a good point to dive in there a little bit, Corey. And well, I'm definitely going to talk to you about some of the things that are on a little bit lower end of the spectrum. But talk to me about, you know, with your gunsmithing background and stuff. Talk to me about what, you know, what could the the high end of the spectrum look like if somebody wants a custom bespoke shotgun for bird hunting? What might they be looking for yeah. in the Beretta catalog? It, it becomes, if you want that full custom bespoke gun, you want to look at our SO10. Um, this gun can be, th the limit of this gun is your imagination. Yeah. I have literally seen one of these that was built that had old classic cars and African animals engraved on it. 
because that's what the guy was into. It was one of the most bizarre engraving (laughs) mashups I've ever seen, but those were his passions. So we made it. Um, A lot of these guns, you know, start out as just an idea. And and I honestly think that a lot of guys, when they pitch it to us and go, hey, I was thinking about this, they don't really think it'll come to fruition. But we make it happen. We send the ideas to our, our engravers. They draw up sketches and they put these things together. But that SO10, you get to pick your wood. You know, we'll send you pictures from Italy and say, look, sure. we've got these six blanks. Which one do you like? You know, you get to pick the engraving. If you want a rubber pad, if you want it to be a checkered butt, if you want an ivory sight or a gold sight or no sight at all, you know, whatever you want, we will make that gun for you. You know, it, it truly is your imagination is the limiter on that fact. The beautiful thing, I know this is something that I, it it's not, it wouldn't necessarily be unique to Beretta or the gun world, but it's something I've thought about in the past where when you have a company that makes a product, in this case we're talking shotguns, on the highest end of the spectrum, but then they also make guns that are at a way more attainable level for many people, that's the same company dabbling in both of those spaces. And I think a lot of times the consumers that are at the ground floor, they're benefiting from the cutting edge development engineering technology that you're putting into those guns at the top end where a company that doesn't play in both those spaces you know they're going to pull they're going to pull from other areas but Mm -hmm. it's all it's all in-house at beretta absolutely and and you see that a lot we came out with a barrel technology correct me if i'm wrong Ian. it was three to four years ago with the stelium pro barrels Uh, you saw these barrels introduced into our so5s and our dt11s they're our top grade sporting guns well, then down the line, we come out with the 694 that has, it's not the exact same technology, but it's based off of that. It's a, an extended forcing cone. Yep. Then this year, we have started to release our entry-level over and unders, our Silver Pigeon models. Uh, you know, just a 686 Silver Pigeon 1 now has a bit of that technology in it. It's not exactly the same as the DT-11, right? but it's still that technology being pushed into that gun. And it's exactly what you're talking about is the trickle down effect into those more affordable guns. We've got semi-autos that now have that technology in it. Yeah. It's the same. I mean, and it also, you know, you've got to remember as well, it also, you know, the tech, you know, the technology and the, the, the volume of guns that we sell at the sort of base level, if you like, um, you know, our silver pigeon ones, our A400s, our A300s, even the pistols, you know, the volume of those guns enables us to invest a lot of money in research and development. It's not the volume of premium guns we sell. We sell a lot less SO10s. We sell a lot less Mark Newsons and SO5s, SOC, all of these very expensive custom bespoke guns, you know, but <laughs> the money we make and the amount of guns that we sell at that lower level gives us a, a very large pocketbook for R&D. I mean, we, we just, we, we have such a massive research and development department uh, <laughs> yeah. that is, it's insane, you know? Well, and that makes sense because to be making guns at that highest end of the spectrum, there's has to be R&D and development going into that. Otherwise, you don't have much to sell, do you? Yeah. So, for instance, here's, here's, a, good, here's a good example of, of actually the technology working upwards, okay? So, when we build our, you know, sort of standard, if you like, uh, uh, 680s or, you know, a standard over and unders, uh, our DT-11s, these are sort of anywhere from 2000 to $10,000 guns. Yeah. When we're developing those guns, we bought this technology in, 
and developed this technology as a, it's essentially a what would be an MRI machine. So this machine allows us to look inside the steel while we're developing the steel for particular guns to see in the manufacturing process whether there are any flaws in the design, or any flaws in the way they, the steel is, is manufactured. Uh, and that was the genesis of buying that machine. We bought that machine to make sure our steel was perfect before we started to manufacture a gun. Fast forward to you know the past four or five years, we now use that technology to take a piece of $10,000 Turkish walnut to make sure there are no knots in that piece of wood no before yeah. we actually put that piece of wood on one of our $150,000 SO10s. So that's a, that's a way it's worked the opposite way. We've taken <laughs> yeah. this technology and, and, and really, we, and we now look at it like it's a service for our, you know, a customer that is buying an SO10, we can say, okay, listen, here's the MRI of your wood. You can actually see that there's nothing wrong structurally with the grain and the, and the figuring on this piece of wood. Uh, therefore, this is the piece we should pick. You know, it's, it's kind of cool. Mind. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's wild. I know somebody that had a they they had a custom restock done, and they ended up uncovering a little a hole in the wood. Fortunately, it was very yeah. minor, and it was able to be re- repaired. But right. I know that's one of the one of the mysteries of of <laughs> stock making when you're when you're picking out a blank. It might look beautiful, but sometimes you never know what you're going to uncover until Brett gets a hold of it and <laughs> puts that's it in exactly. an MRI machine. It's like back in the old days when you were when you were drilling for oil. You know, you just look at the ground and say, "Well, that looks all right. Let's see." <laughs> maybe yeah. there's something there. Yeah. Maybe there isn't. Yeah. <laughs> that's why After, you had to buy it. That's why you had to hire a geologist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After watching Dad build these stock, all these stocks over, you know, my life, it blows me away. That now we have a machine we can throw it in and look for those voids. You know, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Technology. It's amazing. Yeah. How did your dad? Did your dad like? We don't need to dive deep into his story, but how did he end up? at Beretta's. He worked on Beretta's for a long time. How did that come about, Corey? <laughs> he has, and it's it's a pretty funny story. So he's a you know kid from Indiana. His father, my grandfather, wasn't a gun maker, didn't do okay. gunsmithing. He was a hunter, big time hunter. And uh, you know, he would he would uh you know always took care of his his firearms and all of that, but it wasn't something that dad ever really considered as a, a career. Um, but as he grew up in Indiana he he tells the story of how he restocked his BB gun um, whenever he was he was 10 years old and that that's when he had the bug and uh so from indiana he moved to colorado and went to trinidad um, there's a gunsmithing school there that is highly recommended and he studied there and studied everything that he could he did an internship in texas and swore he would never come back he was in uh, wichita falls it was record-breaking heat that year and swore he'd never come to texas and he's still here um, <laughs> never left but, once he got here, he did an internship. He worked for himself for a number of years. I, I remember my uh, garage growing up as a kid, never had a car in it. It was always a gun shop. Um, cool. It's it's still that way, and now my personal garage is that way, too. Um, <laughs> it's just never going to have a car in it. But, you know, he, he wound up, he was working at a, a store here in the, the Metroplex, and um, the manager at Beretta at the time was looking for a new gunsmith and reached out to him and dad called me and told me, you know, he was going to go talk to him, but didn't have high hopes. And now we're both here. 
So yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they, they liked him. He liked them. And so he came on board and he's been here ever since. Were you restocking BB guns at 10 years old? How, how, how easy was it no. for him to pull you in? <laughs> no, at 10 years old, um, he handed me a broom and he let me sweep okay. the shop. <laughs> so, um, he always told me he didn't want me to go into the same profession and you know, wanted okay. better for me, that whole story. But after running around in college and chasing girls and drinking beer, I decided that you know probably this was a good idea for me. So you guys chase girls and drink beer in Texas? Absolutely, <laughs> just on the weekends though. Okay, know. okay. No, but he, um, you know, I started doing work for him in middle school, really, and just doing log books, uh, logging guns in, calling customers and logging them out. And he wound up letting me work on guns when I got into high school. And whenever I stopped losing parts, he started to pay me. Um, so. <laughs> That was kind of it. After high school, I went off to college. Ian met me whenever I came back and started trying college here. And yeah. uh, the rest is history. Try to get back in the shop as many times as I can. I still love doing the work. Right. So what's interesting for me, um, you know, is that we always talk in our world, at least in the Beretta world, about authenticity. We want to have an authentic experience. We want to... It's like anything in life, really. You know, you, you want to... If you want to go hunt upland birds, the idea is that you're going to go hunt a wild bird. Yeah. You can go hunt a planted bird, and we all have to do this. It's the world we live in. But, you know, the ultimate is, is shooting wild quail in South Georgia or rough grouse up in Vermont, you know. Or, you know, so that is the true authentic way of living the upland lifestyle, right? Over your dog that you trained without a shock collar on him, you know. It's... The whole sort of the holy grail of you know of being authentic, right? Yeah. But um, you know, in so in the stores, we want that f experience for our customers, and the way we give that experience is through the folks that work in the shops. Um, you know, I'm an you know I'm a passionate quail hunter. Uh, we have up here a, a passionate target shooter, Ed Anderson, who you know, shoots targets in his sleep. You know, he is an amazing teacher. He's our gunsmith here. So he has that sort of gunsmith level of sort of thinking. He's a teacher and a coach. Uh, likewise, in Texas, we have Corey, as I just explained. You know, he is, you know, he has this unique way of being able to deal with customers' problems, not from just a salesman's perspective, but from a salesman who is authentically a son of a gunsmith, you know, which is an amazing thing. You know, we have, we have guys in the shop who are, have hunted Africa. We have guys yeah. in the shop who are really passionate, you know, geeky, uh, you know, tactical guys, you know, you know, so there's a lot of characters like every gun shop has, but we always try to have this sort of unique, um, you know, authentic way that we can kind of help our customers. Yeah. The, certainly the Breda Gallery sound like a place that I'd like to visit just based on everything that I'm kind of head over heels into. But knowing that knowing that you can go buy a, a Beretta at, in other places, what are the what is on the mind of the people that come into the gallery? Are they? I imagine it varies, but do they have a trip coming up that they're looking for a specific gun? They're looking for a custom gun. I mean, is there is there anything tangible that separates? Somebody that might come into the gallery versus maybe somebody that goes and grabs a three ninety one off the shelf. I'll tell you, there there probably is, but there shouldn't be, right? Right. So right. you know, that's I think one of the things that I, I 
am taken back by all the time is, yeah, we're in this really nice area of town, but I tell guys all the time, don't be afraid to come talk to us. We're selling yeah. everything at the same price that Cabela's is or anybody else. We're not cranking the price up. And, and we get everything from the guy that just was walking by because, you know, his wife was buying shoes over at Jimmy Choo and saw Beretta and thought, hey, maybe that's a place for me. And it, it turns out it is to, you know, the people that are going on a driven hunt in, in Scotland or England yeah. and they know what they want. They know what they need and they come, you know, specifically looking for it, whether that's the outfit or the gun or, you know, just a few accessories they need to add to what they already have. But I don't feel like there should be a difference you know yeah this is say it's a similar similar you know deal up here in new york we tend to get the biggest response or reaction we get from folks is holy shit <laughs> yeah Beretta, berettas here on madison avenue <laughs> you know we got a lot yeah. of cus- customers from all over the country you know and and all over the world quite frankly because it's new york but you know, the, the domestic tourists or the, the guys that are here on business who are just amazed that we were here on Madison Avenue amongst all of this sort of wealth and these boutiques. And, you know, it's just it's just bizarre to people because New York has got this sort of, you know, sell guns in New York. What? You know, which is, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to see people's faces. And then once they realize we're here, this is a destination for them. Yeah. Every time they come to New York, you know, we have guys that are on business that fly to New York on business that make a point of coming, seeing me or one of the guys in the shop or, you know, you know, just just make a point of that. You know, they've Googled it and they found that yeah. we're, you know, we're here. So, you know, it's a really that's a really cool, uh, cool thing. But, you know, most of our clients, uh, when they when they're in the shop, to answer your question about what are they buying? What are they you know, what are they? What are they yeah. coming in for? It's, you know, it's everything. You know, I mean, we, you know, we're, we're, we're at that point now, I think. We've been open in New York over 20 years, coming up on that down in Dallas, where, you know, people are not afraid and they don't think we're a boutique. They know that they can come in and they can hang out and, you know, get outfitted for an opening day of Dove season in Dallas, in Texas you know, or outfit themselves for their first pheasant hunt to South Dakota or shooting driven Hungarian partridge in Spain or their first high volume dove hunt in Argentina. Um, you know, or, you know, they just want to get their kid into his first, you know, 20 gauge, you know, or they want to be... my favorite clients. Yeah, they're the best. You know, the first, <laughs> the, you know, the 14 year old boy who's getting his first Beretta is... It's easily the best. They're the oh, best yeah. sales. They're the ones we love, you know. Yeah, yeah. The limiting factor being, you know, there's one in Matt, there's one in Manhattan, there's one in Texas. So not everybody. It's not right down the street from everybody. But that, the way that I would think about it is, hey, let's go straight to the source. Let's go talk to the folks at Beretta. So that's, Bravo. that's good, yeah. good to hear. Yeah. And I mean, that's a big benefit with us. Uh, you know, I, I have guys ask me all the time on the counter, like, why buy it from you? Well, we are the source, like you said. (laughs) If if you have a problem with it, if you bought the gun from me, I'm going to take care of the warranty work here in-house. I'm not going to send it back to the the factory in Tennessee. I'm going to take care of it. And that's that's a service we offer to the guys that are buying from us. You can also come in and go, hey, where is that? You know, I dropped this off two weeks ago and it's not done yet. You can come in and you can talk to me. 
and, and know exactly. You're not picking up the phone and calling and, and hoping, you know, running the auto, you know, gauntlet to get to speak to a person. Yeah. yeah. Most it is of a, the time you have my cell phone. You know? Right. That, that's what I was just about to say is that we have our, you know, the relationship that we have with our customers. You know, look, not unlike a lot of other dealers in the country, you know, we have 700 dealers across the, across the U.S. Right. selling everything from M9s up to, you know, DT11. So, you know, it's not, uh, you know, our dealers have similar experiences. There are similar stores out there that offer the sim- similar experiences. But, you know, we there is something to be said for the relationships that we try to covet here in the shop. We're not all about, you know, pumping them in and pumping them out. We want to, you know, turn people onto the Beretta lifestyle, let them understand, let them help them understand what it means to be a Beretta uh, to be a, a Beretta shooter and be part of our club and and um, hopefully you know in the in the hopefully still have a couple of guns along the way you know yeah <laughs> but that's what we do we spend some time with you in the beginning and we figure out what you're going to do with the gun what your experience level is where you're trying to get to you know and then we decide I'm not going to turn around and give a guy that's never shot a clay in his life a DT11. Yeah, unless he just adamantly says that's what I Maybe want. He wants then, it. Then, yeah. yeah, fine. I'm not going to talk you out of it, but you know, it's not going to be my go-to. I'm, yeah. I'm going to try to get you suited for what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Ian, earlier you mentioned the Breda Trident program. Do you want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah, that's a program that we've started a number of years ago. Um, that is, is it was it was an interesting concept that Franco Beretta had in his head. Um, you know, and then. Obviously, it ended up trickling down to an idea, and we ran with the idea. So, as you know, as we all know, um, usually, folks that are buying sporting guns from us want to go somewhere to use them, uh, whether it be the Clay's Range or a you know local uh, put-and-take hunt to a local wild uh, you know hunting environment to a high dollar lodge, to a international destination. So there are, you know, people are going to go use those guns. They're not going to sit under their bed uh, and bust them out, you know, once every few years. These are, these are shooters that want to go shoot. And there's a lot of places out there in the world that we, you know, that I wouldn't go myself, you know, that, you know, the level's just not there. You know, maybe the birds aren't quite good enough. Maybe it's just a little grubby and yeah. So we decided to come up with a sort of an endorsement program, if you like. We uh, looked across the world and sort of said to ourselves, right, let's pick a few lodges that we like that are, you know, that have the right, the right mix of hunting experience with attention to detail when it comes to customer service uh, and the hospitality all wrapped into one with the understanding that at its core, and this came directly from Franco when he and I were discussing how to figure this out, was the hunting has to be the most important aspect. It has to be easily the most important. You know, yes, you can have terrific, uh, you know, sheets on the bed or you know, high dollar coffee or, you know, yeah. uh, and the bird dogs are amazing. But at the end of the day, that hunting experience has to be world-class. 
we have found that and we've we've hunted across the world and we have about 13 or 14 lodges across the world that we we can endorse we can help you book them uh you know and um you know it gives us a a way to let our you know let our customers go and and, and shoot somewhere authentic you know and at the end of the day you notice i use the word authentic again because yeah. that is a big part of our dna that we want that authentic hunting experience you know so the ex- the extension of the Beretta lifestyle again, looking f- people looking for an outlet with with these Bravo. guns, you can you can help them do that. Bravo. If they start, if folks start googling Beretta Trident program, will they find that pretty easily? Where do they go? Yeah, they will. Yeah, in fact, you want you, okay. what you really want to do is actually come into one of the galleries and talk to Corey or one of the guys in go. the shops, because those guys <laughs> intimately know what the Trident program is all about. But yes, of course, there's there's online presence. You know, we you know just as an example. I'll just give you a couple of quick examples of the types of places that we endorse. Yeah. We have um, a lodge in in South Georgia called Pine Hill Plantation, which is one of the very few commercial operations that offers a uh, authentic hunt quail hunt off of a covered off of a, a wagon uh, over on horseback, which uh, you know is really the traditional way to hunt quail in the South. It's kind of the the wagon and the horses have given away to buggies, SUVs, and you know, yeah, modified jeeps. jeeps. Yeah. yeah, so which is cool in itself, but yeah. you know, we you know there is something to be said for you know an old Southern guy driving a pair of mules that have you know that have hunted together their whole lives, and you know, with a dog that only retrieves, with a dog that only uh, points, and yeah. you know, with a hunt master that tells you when to get off your horse. It's a very, you know, sort of traditional way. Now, you know, do you wear a tie when you hunt like you should? Well, I don't, but because I never <laughs> wear a tie, but you know, that English redneck. Yeah, that's you. right. That's right. <laughs> but if you want, if you want to wear a tie and wear some tweeds, uh, it's the great experience, you know, yeah. uh, you know, so at the kind of opposite end of that, we have, you know, an amazing experience down in Argentina in Cordoba where we're hunting high volume dove, you know, eating steak and having siestas in the afternoon before, you know, before you hunt the evening roost. And it's a completely different experience, but it is authentic. It's the traditional way that pest control in Cordoba has turned into a multi-million dollar industry of American hunters going to shoot high volumes of dove, uh, challenging themselves for those really interesting shots, you know, and really immersing themselves into that, you know, South American kind of uh, amazing, you know, it's an amazing place, South America. So um, so they're two kind of very different uh, things to do. We have a couple of, uh, we have some, some uh, European hunts, some South African hunts. So, but those those two North and South Americans for me kind of, you know, really put a kind of bow on what the Trident program is all about. You know. Yeah. Cool. Well, Corey, we we talked, uh, we definitely talked about the story of Brett a little bit. We talked about guns in more of a general sense, but as we mentioned earlier, September 1st, it's hunting season. If, uh, I'd like you to tell me a little bit about some of the guns specifically. Let's just say, for example, hypothetically, a guy or a girl comes in and says, I'm going to, I'm going to be upland bird hunting. I'm interested in a Beretta. What are my options? What are you going to tell them, Corey? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing that I'm going to ask them is if they're after an over and under or a semi-auto, 
Um, you know, that's one of the biggest ones kind of that's our go-to. If they're one, a, a semi-auto, I'm going to look right at, we literally have a gun called the A400 Upland. Uh, yeah. It's a fantastic little gun, has some recoil reduction, and it's a perfect semi-auto for that. They're lightweight, easy to haul around in the field all day. Uh, it would be my go-to. If they want an over and under, I'm going to tell them to look at our pigeon line. Uh, you know, we've got the Silver Pigeon 1. That's our entry over and under. It's tried and true. It's that 680 series action. They've just re-released, came out with the um, the new Silver Pigeon 3. Yeah. So we're really excited for that. That's got some upgrades to the technology, not only in the barrels, um, you know, the stock design. It's They've really, you know, it's not just... Uh, some lipstick on an old gun. They, they've really yeah. redone the technology on this gun. As I was kind of talking about earlier with the barrel technology and the P- pigeon ones, you know, so those are kind of my two go-tos. Anything in that pigeon line is a great, great startup. The a 400s are killer guns as well. What are the differences between the silver pigeon three and the silver pigeon one? What, what do you, is it, is it wood upgrade? Is it finishes? Yeah. What, what are the differences there? So it's, a, it's a lot of cosmetics and that's kind of what's cool. I think about Beretta is, you're not lacking on technology by going to one of these other models. Yep. Uh, whether you get in a Silver Pigeon 1 or a Silver Pigeon 5, the action body, the barrel technology, that's going to be the same stuff. Now, once you start looking at the gun, the wood grade is going to go up. It's going to be a yep. nicer grade of wood. They actually changed the checkering a bit in the Pigeon 3s. Uh, there's subtle differences. Yep. You get some nice game scene engraving as opposed to just the scroll work that you get on a Pigeon 1. But as far as how you're going to shoot it, you've got the same gun. That's that's one thing I appreciate about guns, and they're not all that way. But I I like that when you can look at a gun that is less expensive, and the reasons are oftentimes attached to wood engraving that sort of thing. But you know that you're shooting that same core components and that same action on yeah. that on that gun. That's maybe more in somebody's price range. I mean, I appreciate that. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, you guys probably can't see it here. Tucked over behind me there, I've got a A391 Extrema 2. That's the only that's go. the only Beretta I own. I I probably shouldn't tell you guys this. I almost sold it about a year ago because uh. I haven't been duck hunting. I love that damn gun. It's it's as reliable as any other gun I ever had, but I haven't duck hunted in probably 10 years. Well, last year I went out and I, I took that gun and I killed my first turkey, so now I'm keeping it. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, that gun pretty much fathered the a400 line so the the way that bolt technology is a lot of things about that gun worked so well we created an entire line off of it i'll tell you thursday i'm going out barring that it it lets up on the rain a bit so i'm going to try to get out for some dove hunting and i've got my a400 extreme so it's it's essentially the you know very very similar to the gun that you're shooting yeah that 391 Was that called the Extrema? It was. It was the Extrema, yeah, the Extrema right? 2 is the one that I've Yeah, 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 yeah. So as Corey said, that was the genesis of the A400. I mean, it was yeah. it was, it was, was done so well that we now have, uh, I mean, how many guns in that A400 line? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a massive line, and that was a, that was a starting point. Yeah. Terrific yeah. gun, yeah. yeah. It is, yeah. I, I recall a day out on the, the prairies of North Dakota shooting waterfowl, and we had a we had a good day, and I I must have went through three or four boxes of shell, and I was I could have kept going, <laughs> but a buddy of mine a buddy of mine was shooting. He just had a pump gun, and we were shooting ridiculous three and a half inch shells that we probably didn't need to be. But I remember his <laughs> his arm was black and blue to the point where he could barely continue shooting, and and uh, the my three ninety one sucked up that recoil like I wouldn't believe. 
I'll tell you a, a quick funny story about that gun specifically. I've got a couple of guys here that are waterfowlers, and they went out and they flipped their boat and uh, sunk one of their extremas. Yeah. And they went back about a week later with a magnet and threw it overboard. And they were able to find it and pull it no up way. off the bottom of the freaking pond. And it had <laughs> a little bit of rust just barely starting to form, kind of a red haze in the chamber. Yep. He brought it to us. We cleaned all the mud and gunk out of it, and he's still shooting the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get, like that A400 Upland, can you – is that like 28-gauge, 20, 12? Can you get it in just about anything? 20 and 12. 20 and 12. Yep. Okay. Okay. Cool. Right on, guys. Well, yeah. hey, did we miss anything? Ian, we had talked about some other stuff, the some e-commerce stuff. Anything else we need to cover at this point? Otherwise, we'll no, I think, have you guys look, back on. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when, when you and I talked about doing this, I think I think really what I wanted to do was let your guys, your, your Upland guys know that, you know, they have a home, you know, in the galleries. You know, this is not yeah. so, yeah. you know, the, the, there has always been this, you know, especially on this in the, in the sort of, I don't know in the in in regular America outside of New York, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's this sort of you know mystique surrounding the Beretta galleries, like you know you can only go there buy expensive guns, and yeah, you know that's just not the case. It's a it's a you know you have a home, and you know you got people like Corey working in our shops, and we have a new manager up here in in New York now, uh, Alex, who's amazing guy. Um, he actually used to work for Filson, so he has a good outdoor background for Filson that I'm sure a lot of your, a lot of your listeners have heard of. So a great American company, um, you know. So, you know, it's just definitely, uh, you know, to put a bow on once again this this conversation and this this podcast. I'd say, look, make an appointment, come see us. You know, I mean. Uh, right now it's tough. This COVID thing has really screwed the whole world up. And, yeah. um, you know, we actually have now a, uh, if you go to Beretta.com and, um, you know, we have a, we have this app now where you can actually book an appointment, a private appointment, uh, in the shop. You're not under any obligation to buy anything. You can just have a private shopping experience with someone like Corey or one of our guys. Um, if you can't make it to one of the two cities, we can do it virtually. You know, we can get up on a, yeah. Zoom, on a Zoom call or a Teams call and kind of show you around the store, look look at guns, you know, have a beer with you online, you know. Just, you know, definitely, uh, you know, we're trying to let, let people know that once this COVID's done, come see us, but we're not out of business. We're selling guns right now. People are people are up and out, and um, you know, for anybody that's not in New York or Dallas, reach out to us. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's kind of like that was my that was why I wanted to get on with you, Nick, and let your guys know yeah. that that we have a home. And if you know, if they got questions about any Upland Upland products we have, you know, we talked a little bit about a couple of guns there for you guys, but you know, we have a lot of a lot of uh, knowledge in our shops. Uh, as I said earlier, from you know from guys that are passionate bird hunters. You know, we're not just gun salesmen, you know, far from it. You know, we're passionate yeah. hunters first and, and you know, if we can sell a few guns along the way, so be it. Great. Win-win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did forget to ask, Corey, women-specific, if a woman comes in and is looking for something a little specific, I know this just because I'm familiar with the Beretta line. There's quite a bit of adjustability in some of the guns. So is that is that what we're going to be looking at for 
a woman-specific gun, or are there separate lines? No, there actually is a separate line. Okay. So whenever you're looking at the Beretta line, any gun that you see that ends with Victoria is okay. designed for a woman. So we actually make a Silver Pigeon 1 Victoria. We make that in a field and a sporting version. So depending on if you're a hunter or you just want to shoot clays, we can hook you up there. We have a, a semi-auto, the A400XL Victoria, that okay. is, is made for women as well. And we've actually done things like it has a higher uh, comb for the, the higher cheekbones yep. that ladies have. They have a little bit shorter of a stock, a little smaller of a grip. So we listen to a lot of feedback from the ladies in our industry. Uh, Kim Rohde, that is a pro staff shooter for us, gave us feedback. And we took all of that and we actually designed guns specifically for women not just a shorter stock yeah what was really what we really listened to from our customers was that you know up until this point the only way to get a ladies ladies beretta was to have a custom stock bill and we were discriminating against women and making them pay more to get into shooting because they needed to do this extra work you know so, you know, we listened and obviously, uh, you know, we've had a, a lot of uh, good press and a lot of, a lot of our, our shooters are really into the, the dimensions. I mean, that, that's really it. At the end of the day, this is not a pink gun. It doesn't have, you know, right. a, you know roses or flowers on the case. We're not that, you know, shallow yeah. here. We, we, took, we, took the, uh, we took what matters, which is, is, is fit, yeah. you know, and... Um, yeah. And that's that's the most important thing. So, for serious shooters, now if you want a pink gun, paint it pink. But we're not in. Hey, yeah, go find one. Yeah, we're, not, we're, <laughs> we're just making guns that actually uh, that, that fit customers. And that, in this case, it yeah. happens to be, you know, we're the, the fastest growing um, shooting market in the country. You know, which is women shooters. You got it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I'm glad I, I'm glad I remembered that. Yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah. have forgotten before. So, right. well, we're going to wrap this up guys. I appreciate it. And before we jump out, we, we did hint at a little bit about uh, hunting season coming up. And uh, again, this year is kind of, it's mm. up in the air a little bit, but you got, you had a first hunt on the calendar, Ian, you going somewhere? Uh, yeah, I do. So I didn't hunt last year. In fact, I'll give you the quick reader's digest. Everybody knows this anyway in my world. But <laughs> last year, I had to have a kidney transplant. And oh, one of my friends gave me his kidney. So I didn't hunt for about 18 months. Well, 18 months ago, I was hunting in Vermont, deer hunting. And that's when I realized there was something wrong with me. So this year, in November, that's where I will be. I'll be in a tree stand in Vermont uh, for rifle season, hoping to get myself a deer this year. Right well, good, to, good to hear that you'll be back at it. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, my wife keeps dragging me. She's like, "Why are you so excited to go hunt?" I'm like, "Cause I'm back." That's all I keep saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fortunate. I'm back with a new kidney. So there you go. Yes, sir. <laughs> Corey, you might be out later this week. You said. Yeah, I'm hoping to get out Thursday. I've got another dove hunt planned towards the end of the month, and uh, a couple of quail hunts in November and December. I, I have somehow managed to get more hunting scheduled this year than i think i have in the last 10 and i, I it's beyond me but i'm yeah. happy i'm happy to have the opportunities so <laughs> excellent excellent well specific places for people to go i'll make sure to grab all the regular beretta stuff and social media links and that kind of thing any anything else you would point people to uh definitely our gram page you go to beretta gallery yeah. on on ig and facebook um and uh we do have a beretta gallery 
uh, website as well. So you can you can go check that out. But I mean, really, for for the sort of new stuff that's happening and to get a feel for what's going on in the stores. You know, Graham is probably the best spot, you know, because it gives you the photos yeah. of the store and what's happening, you know, on a daily basis. We'll have some videos up there shortly and, um, you know, it really gives, uh, gives them, especially there's a bunch of photos from Dallas now starting to pop up there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go, go check them out. Good deal. I'll pick that up, drop it in the show notes. Gentlemen, appreciate it very much. You guys coming on the Project Up and Podcast. Thanks for talking to me and the listeners. We'll have you back, and I look forward to keeping in touch with Beretta. Bravo. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Take care, guys. See ya. See ya. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Project Upland Podcast. Quick reminder that this episode was brought to you by Onyx Hunt, Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food, CZ USA Shotguns, Gumleaf USA, Dogtra Collars, ESP Hearing Protection, Trinity Kennels, and Dakota 283 Kennels. Don't forget to visit projectupland.com to read, watch, and listen to more great upland hunting content. And please, if you enjoyed this episode of the show, leave the podcast a rating and a review that really helps us out and it helps more people find the show. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Project Up with Podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.